Hello, I'm stand-up comedian Kiri Pritchard-McLean here to tell you that I'm on tour with my brand new show, Home Truths. I'm going all over the country, wherever will have me. I'm touring right through the spring and then because some of you lovely lot have bought so many tickets, I'm now getting to tour for the whole of autumn as well. If you would like to get tickets, they're all available on my website or you can go to littlewonder.co.uk and get tickets there. I can't wait to see you and I don't want to brag, but I've got one hell of an outfit. Welcome to the Who You Wearing podcast. I'm Kiri Pritchard-McLean. I host this celebration of style. And this week's guest is astounding. I've got such respect for them and they are ridiculously charming. It's the superb Dr. Ronks. Now, this conversation was recorded in November 2021 and it's so interesting because unlike most of my guests, Ronks has been a model, a raver, a doctor, a TV presenter. So this is an eclectic one. I think there's so much to take from this episode. I'm going to shut up soon and let them do the talking. But one thing that stands out is Ronks's attitude to shopping. Um, just no pissing about. There's a precision there that is absolutely enviable. And I think you're definitely going to identify with their struggle with loving clothes and fashion. But also weighing that up against everything else you have going on in your life. I think that's such an important conversation to have. Also, as a heads up here, there is a story about charity shops in there that was nearly enough to put me off them, which is a strong accusation. But I think you guys are going to love their attitude and this episode with a human who is pure charisma. Please enjoy me asking Dr. Ronks, who are you wearing? My childhood was really complex and I lived with parents and was privately fostered and blah, blah, blah. So I never, I didn't really have a concept of fashion per se. I would say until I got to secondary school where I guess young people are more vocal about clothing and things. Because I think we didn't have much money. So I kind of just wore what, what was given to me. And at that time, I think I had a lot of a heavy influence of like R&B, 90s rap. So but American rap. So it was like baggy pants, T-shirts. I didn't associate that as a boyish look because a lot of the like rap artists like Missy Elliott, um, uh, Lauren Hill, blah, blah, were all wearing like baggy pants and stuff like that, but had an innate femininity about them. So I didn't really know what my fashion was but I knew that I wasn't really a girly girl and I guess in my culture um kind of Nigerian background gender's still very binary so if you're female you look a certain way and if you're male you look a certain way so there was this expectation which was kind of umbrellaed by church as well that I would wear skirts and stuff like that but as I got older and I probably hit puberty I remember like having to try on a bra and being like what the hell is this like what what in god's name do you know what i mean when things start becoming you're having to start to keep things compressed down and things because to me you have such a keen and sense like keen eye and strong sense of style now but was any of that showing up as like a like a little kid was any of that sense of who you want you know 
building your own image with clothes was any of that or was it like was it just that resources were so limited that wasn't even part of the conversation at all I just don't think it was part of the conversation I think because and I always say this to people when they talk about like did you always want to be a doctor da, 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 da. Um, when I was younger I it was just all about survival so I was always just trying to like survive my upbringing that everything else kind of wasn't important at that time or I never focused much attention on it until I kind of left home and started living independently I had more time and also influences and had a more a larger social circle and it's not that people forced fashion onto me I just became interested and realized that I could have I, I started to grow my identity mm. so who was who was dressing you prior to that then like who was having having a say I guess I guess it, my mum and my foster mum, they're just whatever, whatever, whatever. whatever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> like, there's, there's, I just, I don't even, I don't even remember going shopping for clothes. Were you ever made to wear something then that you were just like, I hate, I hate this. This doesn't feel like me. All the time. I would say, because like, for example, Sundays were church day, I wouldn't like, yeah, I don't want to wear a dress, but I would wear a dress <laughs> because that's what, it, it, and it wasn't per se, I didn't want to wear a dress. It was more the feeling of it not being something that was for me. And I guess when you're younger, you don't, or you're young, you don't have the language or lived experience to try and um, interrogate what's actually going on. Do you know what I mean? Like the kids today have so much um, freedom and so much influence, which I say is a good thing in terms of, carving out identity early but also because I didn't have to worry about that when I was 12 13 14 I was able to concentrate on other things if that makes sense yeah. so I wasn't worried about the latest trends I just accepted I was never going to have night trainers I was never going to have adidas trainers I was never going to have all of those brands that people associated coolness with but I just accepted it and I had a personality and great friends and it just meant it just didn't matter but now I think if that influence was something that was uh, strong in my life, I may not be a doctor because sometimes people are so paralysed by fitting in that they neglect other other strengths that they have. Mm. That's so interesting because lots of people, I think, I think in particular queer people as well, who've come on mm. the podcast, have sort of gone. It's so great now that young people can express themselves, and I. But you, it's so interesting to make the point of like, of course that's important, but you can then go down this rabbit hole of yeah. that being your only thought of, mm, and mm. actually you that being kind of a, I guess almost like a not even part of the conversation you're having mm, with yourself mm. in the world. You're just focused on you know your work and and then have now done so brilliantly. That's really interesting. I always say to people that I'm kind of glad all of that happened then because it just means now I've got time for the other stuff. Like I'm glad that I didn't have social media much when I was um, at medical school because I probably wouldn't have become a doctor, you know? I'm glad that I worked, I went out clubbing in my 20s because it has allowed me to focus on being a doctor in my 30s. I'm glad that the kind of body image and worrying about all of, you know, all of the things happened to me prior to social media and prior to my doctor career because it just means that I can 
I've got the tools or have a foundation of tools, which means that when it all comes up now, I'm, I've already got, you know, I can deal with it because it just feels that now, like regardless of what the new trends are, um, I, I still am going to wear what I'm going to wear. And sometimes what I wear, other people won't wear. And I'm just like, but I want to wear this. <laughs> and I like having that sense of strength and also use clothing as a way to restore my sense of self. As a teenager, did you have like a rebellious bit and would that have shown up in how you presented yourself with either your clothes or your hair? Or I think later on in my teens, the rebellion came because I shaved all my hair off. If that, Yeah. So that that is all my... It's so funny because the one thing about kind of trauma and childhood is that you delay your milestones. So my kind of uh, rebellion happened in my 20s, if that makes sense. Like I didn't learn to cycle until I was in my 20s. I haven't driven a car yet. Do you know what I mean? Like lots and lots of things because you're so warped up in the survival of your existence. Mm. It does push back your your um, your milestones. Right. So I would say the big rebellion for me was maybe in my 19, 20 years old where I shaved all my hair off, which is so uncommon for a black person to do it, like a black at that time identified as female, black female to do and to be at medical school, you know, it was just, it, it was just, I used to wear like latex to clubs and heels. I, I just experimented. And the beauty about doing it that later on was I'd already kind of established my career. So I was already in medical school. I knew I was going to be a doctor. So I had that buffer time before I had to be a serious human being and basically, you know, save lives. And <laughs> while I was still studying, so, um, yeah, my, mine happened a lot later. Your clubbing time, like, yeah. was that a time to really experiment with your style as well? Because it's such a evocative, exciting, expressive, like, scene, right? I had so many influences in terms of, like, I love techno and electro. And when you go to a techno electro night, um, you can't wear lots of clothes because it's too bloody hot. <laughs> so, like... Um, I would and back in the day when we had nights like Pony Step and um, what's that what was that movement something rave what was it um, New Rave New Rave New Rave yeah I really loved that because you literally could just wear a hanger on your head and nobody would say anything so I th that was an element of me but then I wasn't restricted to that I really enjoyed dressing in a like very sartorial kind of tailored way. And that was born from working in Brick Lane, working in Rocket, the vintage shop. So I would wear like really smart waistcoats and shirts and things and brogues and stuff like that. So that would be one part of me. Then like, I dabbled in a bit of modeling for a bit. And then that kind of editorial um, couture world, I quite liked as well. I didn't have a, a particular aesthetic. I would say I was the most comfortable in the kind of like boyish mask um, androgynous look um, that was more trousers and shirts and things like that but I really much enjoy I really enjoyed wearing I'd like I've got still got it this is latex onesie that I used to bash out all the time just zip it up and go on your way and it was just great like I loved all of that I was so lucky to have friends and people around me that just allowed me to be me do you know what I mean I just wasn't too much for them all of that I give credit to kind of like being LGBTQI because without that family, I think I would uh, be a different person. That scene in all of its differences, all of its different types and genres, just then I just felt, let me live. I just was allowed to live, you know? 
So what age do you think you were or what period of, in your life when the style that we see now, which is so, so you, started showing up at? I would say, because I was very smart uh, when I left medicine, so 20, 2011, 12, 13, 14, I would say I would love like a waistcoat, um, a shirt, smart trousers, brogues. And then I would say from about 2015, 2016, I started to really like two pieces and suits and then was like, oh, I love trainers and then I've de- developed this trainer addiction. And then now I would say in the last year and a half, it's kind of, I feel like I'm going backwards. Like I really like this 90s boy like indie look. So I've got like baggy trousers, like uh, baggy jeans, even baggy trousers, shirt, tank tops, jumpers. Like I really like that as my day-to-day look with trainers. I love trainers. But if I'm going like to an event or something smart, I, I will wear a suit. Like I just, I just love suits. I just love the idea of wearing men's suits. I love that sometimes like men are like, oh, you look so good in that suit. And I just feel like I'm decolonizing and um, uh, demask or depatriarching or whatever the word is mm. suits because you always people always associate suits with like people that work in banks and like smart formal occasions when why can't you like ASOS do lots of like really cheap two pieces just wear two piece put some trainers on go to the pub yeah and it feels like it's a way of protecting and codifying spaces and behaviors as well absolutely there's power in in like like you say what you're doing and encouraging other people to do to be like wear it to the pub yeah literally literally like I, I used to like I got a little bit of influence from Basquiat I used to, I remember seeing his an exhibition of his um and he was wearing like this pinstripe suit and then just like an Adidas t-shirt and trainers and I was like yeah it's a look like why do I have to wear a shirt why why do I have to do like I just just wear what you want to wear and it doesn't have to be expensive because people always say to me where'd you get your suits tailored? I have never had a suit made for me in my whole entire life. Like most of my suits are Top Man, ASOS, Charity Shop. Like it, they're just two pieces and it's just what you do. Like it really is what you do with it. I can't lie. Sometimes, you know, the, the, the more high quality the suit, the better you feel in it. And I guess that reflects in how you move, etc. But most of the time um, you can buy like really inexpensive two pieces. And yeah. Do you think about hair and makeup as part of your outfit? Uh, I just wear foundation. That's it. I just got, I always have a little bit of foundation on just because I feel it just makes me feel it's a feeling, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And then what, because you've done a lot with your hair over the years. Was that always, would, would that influence your outfits or was that a separate expression on its own? I think that was a separate expression, if I'm honest. Like, I look at, I was going through some pictures actually the other day, and it, although my hair does vary, the kind of aesthetic is 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 what it is. Um, back in when back in my twenties, when I was wearing like 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 kind of quite very high femme clothes and heels, and then the next day wearing the suit, the hair was still the same. Mm. Um, yeah, but I think I've settled yeah. into kind of locks at the moment. Like, I really am enjoying having locks and having them grow. So. This is kind of me for now. I don't see myself cutting my hair again. I just see myself like cutting it off. I see myself just seeing how long I can grow these or what I can style my locks into. Great. I can't wait. (laughs) This is so exciting. (laughs) Um, I wanted to ask, um, are there any trends that you've tried to pull off and it's it's just not happening for you? (laughs) I can't do neon. Neon don't suit me. 
Neon neon doesn't neon doesn't suit me. How did you possibly go into new rave and not not lean into neon? Interesting. That's 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 a really good. That's a, I think I just went to the like latex bit. Sure. Bit of it to like the the latex tight bit. I I, I don't remember wearing neon. I'm trying to think. Interestingly, I know ne- I never really clocked onto trends, but I do like so the essence of maybe something I will steal. So like. I don't know if everyone's wearing vest tops now, but I'm really enjoying wearing vest tops and they're free. They seem to be everywhere. So maybe I've jumped on that trend. The kind of baggy pants and Dr. Martin's trend. I'm where that's, I like baggy pants, Dr. Martin's, but I would always wear my clothes. And the thing is, if something suits me, I'm wearing that for a long time. Mm. I have no problem re-wearing clothes and being seen in the same outfit. I, 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 it, it just, I'm just like, really? Like, yeah. Or so do you hold on to stuff then? Or do you go, like, do you have a big clear out? Because I hold on, I've got stuff from when I was a te- very literally a teenager. As, what's your old, oldest item of clothing that you still wear? Because I, my body shape changes through the, so I've become either more athletic or less athletic or my feet have grown. <laughs> and I've grown it my like arms have grown or whatever so I'm very good at giving things to the charity shop I am uh, giving things to people there's like lots of my friends would say you can't go to Ronx's house without leaving with something because <laughs> I'm very good at I'd be like oh that really suits you I've been thinking about you so I will I've got no problem giving stuff to people not a problem in terms of the oldest thing that I have I think it is the PVC um the PVC onesie I won't I got that from um and summers and um I can't get rid like there's so many memories that I have of that like so many memories that that is that's that's never going anywhere like people can't believe that I used to wear that they're like but I have the picture so I'm like this be me but um yeah <laughs> I love it asking what people's like heritage pieces are and some of them like oh it's a coat from my granddad or it's a jumper I bought and, and then you're like oh mate it's he all in one latex body suit yeah, yeah it's literally literally I think I personally for me if it don't fit you it needs to go you need to either give it to friends or give it to charity I understand the sentimental value in stuff I definitely I I get that but we've got pictures and memories and Mm. also I just don't have space to be honest I I love stuff so much that if I kept everything I had then I'd be living like one of those hoarder people like (laughs) um what about in terms of uh sort of different eras of fashion is there one that Mm. you connect with and you think do you know I'd like to live there for the fashion 80s coming into the 90s even I was born then but that kind of those that look those looks I still I, I really like and I like the um because there was a lot of uh like expression in terms of cre- like creative expression attitude like yeah it just feels like clothing had a real meaning then and there were still lots of the trends it wasn't a recycle of trends it was mm. the first time so power like um for a while I really loved um what do you call it when you've got shoulder these? pads yeah shoulder pads yeah I, I love a shoulder pad I just think there's something so lovely and angular about yeah. shoulder pads so um I would have loved to have lived at that time and have experienced things for the first time do you know what I mean yeah. so yeah definitely um 80s into yeah 80s into 90s that's such a good point I'd never thought about that that yeah any time after that was just looking backwards all the time and, and it became cyclic, whereas you're so right, that was the last time it felt like they were pushing forward and doing their own thing. 
absolutely because everything now is just a is just a reimagined fashion of a time that's gone isn't it now it's all this like y2k stuff that i'm like if only i'd held on to my horrible clothes i could put them on depop now <laughs> i'm telling you everything has come back round like even these vests everyone was wearing vests at a point and the the more vintage looking the light nicer they are so this has been made to look vintage but it's yeah. brand new isn't it yeah yeah so but you know whatever <laughs> <laughs> an item of clothing um like an actual one specific or maybe it's a type of clothing that you put on and you just instantly feel great I've got a few I've got like a this tartan two-piece suit that I got from ASOS like four years ago and I had the wisdom of getting it a little bit too big so it was baggy at the time and now it fits so that's good um I, when I put that on I, I do feel my oats like I feel good in that um, that I would say, yeah, that one at the moment, actually for a while has been my like, if I put that on, I feel I feel nice. Yeah, I think I've seen that one on the gram and it is great. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> What's your relationship like with shopping? Is it a fun thing for you? Is it like, oh, God, do you want to do it online? Do you want to do it in person? Because it sounds like you've worked in a lot of retail. You've been in big things, Topshop, Rocket, things like that. So, you know, the shopping experience. So what's your idea of it? Love it love it love shopping um I'm but I'm the type of person that I can scan like if I go to TK Maxx I can scan a rail in like two like um, like my eyes in like 30 seconds and I can see something and be like okay yep like that so I don't find shopping a struggle because I can do it like online I don't like buying like I can scroll for about a thousand things online in about two minutes do you know what I mean that kind of like I really I really love clothes my friends a lot of my friends find it really stressful so if I'm with someone and I'm like and they're like oh I really need it's like at the weekend I was with someone and they were like I really need um a a beanie or a, a cap and we were in Brighton and I was like okay let's go to like you've got three I was like you've got three choices you can we can go to Zara and you can get something nice we can go to H&M you can just get a beanie that you could like if you lose tomorrow you'll be fine or we can go to Urban Outfitters where it's a little bit expensive but you'll get like a one-off piece or something like that and so for me it's it's very easy like I don't struggle with it um I like shopping alone because then I get shit done I just go the limiting factor is just time and tiredness which so do you think about when you're shopping do you think about things like sustainability and things like that? Because I know the conversation is, is broadening out and lots of people are thinking about the relationship with fast fashion and things like that. So I go through phases. Um, there's a bit of, because I'm so aware that I like fashion and that I do buy stuff that I never throw, I rarely ever throw anything away. A lot of my clothes are always kept, like I'm, I keep everything in good quality that comes from mm. like kind of not not having anything so it's kind of like a trauma response to like I may never I might run out of money one day so I've got to make sure that everything I have is 
is in good condition. So I, I do keep everything in good condition. With that in mind, I will either give to charity or donate um, to like a, a shelter or something like that. Um, in terms of buying sustainable, it's more that if something is sustainable, I'll be like, oh, okay, I would probably get that over something that isn't. But for me, because I still am that in that mentality where I've worked so hard for my money that what I buy must be up to, like, I'm not going to waste my money. It's so hard because, you know, I really am, I think more and more about the, the climate and climate crisis. And, but then I think it, it's not made easy for us. But then again, my friends will say, Ronks, then stop buying clothes. But I love fashion. So it's this weird cognitive dissonance where on one hand, I just, I want to be a good person. And then on the other hand, I want to wear the latest Chanel, darling. I don't wear the latest Chanel. I've never bought Chanel in my life. You know what I mean though? Yeah. Totally know what you mean. And I think loads of people who listen to this will know that exact, exact battle that's going on, which is why it's so annoying that like businesses, it's up to them to make it easy for us to make the right decisions. It's not, you know, we're all stressing and giving ourselves anxiety over this when actually it's not on us. It's on the businesses. I can't lie that I don't get, when it comes to clothes, my anxiety levels aren't that high. My anxiety, when it comes to sustainability, which is a bit naughty and someone's probably going to write a letter, my 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 anxiety comes with like food and uh, like just food waste. So much food being produced and so much food being wasted and like stuff. Like you go into like shops and there's just stuff everywhere. There's just like, there's so many kids toys and so many like, you know, stuff, stuff, stuff. So I get anxiety there where I will buy a good quality, maybe mic like I've got now. And then I will not buy another mic. Like that's my mic now. Mm. So I know that's still not necessarily buying sustainable, but I try and buy the best. But then again, I have to remember my privilege because there was a time when I left home, when I couldn't afford, like I could only afford pound shop stuff. Do you know what I mean? And then even recently, um, I had someone say to me, Ronks, um, why are all your pots and pans so manky? And I was like, they work. That's fine, isn't it? And then this person said, well, if you buy a stainless steel pot and pans, they last forever if you wash them and keep them, you know. And I was like, that makes mm. sense. Like, why don't I just invest in some stainless steel pots and pans, which are not cheap, but they have lifetime warranties. Do you know what I mean? But it is hard. And I definitely can't say I'm somebody that people should look to in regards to that. Stay with Greta. Greta is your person. <laughs> <laughs> what well, I know you give stuff to charity shops, but do you ever shop at them as well? I used to. I used to, because, uh, you know, I worked in Rocket. I used to love charity shops. And then I got Ringworm and then from like an item of clothing. So Ringworm is just like a... Um, it's a fungal infection of the Parasite. skin. Yeah, it's yeah. It, like it's easily it's easily healed, and um, I just then was like, do you know what? I, I can't be bothered. Like, I, I just can't. I, I can't do it. <laughs> Which and I did it for years. I was the charity shop person. Like I loved like any charity. Shop. Even now though, if I do go to the coast or somewhere and there's a charity shop, I'll look in. But I no longer buy charity. I've got this thing now where I don't buy things that I know I'm not going to wear. Yeah, that's smart. I've been definitely a victim of buying it because it's yes, cheap. Yes, that. And then finding, you like, either find, and then what I'll do, I'll do 
a wrongs thing and I will give it away to someone because I want someone to have it and I know it's great but it's like yeah well why like leave that person to find it don't foist yeah, it onto yeah. all your friends <laughs> sometimes I leave things out because I live in Hackney so uh Hackney is a place where if you leave something like I I was going to the laundrette and I left a laundry box a box of powder like literally just outside my door because I was just taking something upstairs I turned around it was gone so like that was just a box of laundry powder so Hackney is a place where if you leave something hanging up like I've seen coats and things like someone will take it so um I feel fortunate enough that you know that's something that I can do because I know that people you know we're, we're, it's, a, it's a community where people give and people take so it's kind of nice yeah what's the best thing when you were in your charity shop phase what's the best thing you got either got second hand or thrifted or you know charity shop Ooh, the, the, the best thing that I can remember that I got from a charity shop was a vintage blue pair of Dr Martins from back in the day when they made Dr Martins in this country I know they're still doing like some yeah. of them but yeah, they were, they did not fit me. They were a whole size too small. But did I force my feet in them? Yes. Did I keep them because they're vintage? Yes. Did I just give them away? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the perfect Ronks 3 yeah, 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 yeah. story. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about the future a little bit now then. Um do you see your style changing as you get older or do you think what you've got will just evolve? So because I didn't have much money up until really, I've been 10 years a doctor now. So I would say in the last five years, I've been comfortable. So um, that would be like from my early 30s. I would say that my taste has got a little bit expensive and I think I see myself looking exactly the same, but just spending more money. Because, you know, you go through your like designer phase. I never had any designer labels until three. No, in the, the beginning of the lockdown, I did uh, a, a few TV shows and I bought some Balenciaga trainers full price. And the thing about expensive fashion is that once you pull it on, it feels bloody great. Do you know what I mean? You're like, you can't go back. Do you know what I mean? Well, I have, obviously, I still sh I shop in Primark. I've got no problem with that. Like, I still buy stuff that isn't expensive. But never, ever, ever thought, considering everything that I've um, been through in my upbringing, that I would ever be able to pay for a designer item. And then you start thinking, hmm, what other designer stuff could I buy? <laughs> <laughs> so I think I'm still in that phase of my existence where buying something a little bit expensive makes me I'm like, oh, look what I've, I've got Balenciaga trainers on. Like, look at, oh, which is ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And there's this like overwhelming guilt now, which comes with like being a slave to capitalism, which I'm feeling. Do you know what I mean? On one hand, I'm like, capitalism is murder. And then on the other hand, I'm like, yeah, but look at me. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's so complex yeah. and you don't want to come across as an, a privileged idiot. But for so long in my life, I just didn't have. And so now that I'm forging my own kind of existence and um, and it's all, it's me, it's guided by me. Um, mm -hmm. I'm kind of just sitting in that and just being happy with that. But never really, I never show off. I'm not like throwing stuff in people's faces. Um, I just, for me, it is all just about me and 
yeah, it's another step in my kind of like evolution as ronks. Are there any trends that you're hoping never come back? If I'm honest, I couldn't care less because I'm just going to wear what I'm going to wear. Not not to not to not to be shady, but I couldn't I couldn't care less. I'm so not influenced by what other people are wearing in the sense that it looks better on them. I'm jealous. I just like I've just got to that point in my life where if you look amazing, I will stop you in the street and say you look amazing. And if you cuss me for what I'm wearing, I'll cuss you for what you're wearing. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so um, I don't mind. Whatever happens, happens. <laughs> um, final question now. So you passed away. It's your funeral. Um, you're about to be cremated or buried. What outfit are you in? What is your final outfit that you're going to be buried or cremated in? I would like to think that Balenciaga have called and they are sad that I'm dead and that they have fitted me in a two-piece, two-piece matching. Beige is my favourite colour. Everybody laughs at that, but beige, I love what? beige so what? much. Yeah, I love it. Be- like, beige looks so good on me. I love beige, like a nice, <laughs> light... Like, I love browns. Browns, beiges, lovely. So it'll be a beige suit, Balenciaga trainers, white Nike socks, and a white, lovely, crisp button-to-the-top shirt. And... um. Yeah, I'll be dead. But that would be wrongs. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love it. I also like buried in beige. What a <laughs> what a statement. It's my favourite colour. The kids always ask it. The kids are like, what's your favourite colour, Dr. Ronks? I'm like, beige. They're like, you asked, bitch. You asked. That's the colour. <laughs> So that was Dr. Ronks, probably the only episode that's going to have the amazing revelation that someone feels like they can't pull off neon, but are totally happy in chin to toe latex. I think it's absolutely incredible. Uh, I, do you know what? I really appreciate you guys getting in touch with your thoughts about the podcast as well. And I've been on tour and it's so nice when people come up afterwards and I'm used to people saying, I love your podcast because they listen to All Killer No Filler, which is obviously amazing and I'm so proud of. But when people listen to this podcast, it feels like extra special. It feels like they're they're into the deep cuts of Cooper Richard McLean, and I I really love it, and I really appreciate it. And um, it's also nice to hear what you think about it. Um, it's really kind, and my producer goes through everything, and we're just really touched that you're enjoying this podcast so much and as much as we are. So, um, this is a message that we actually got on Insta, um, that says Kiri. I just wanted to let you know that as a mom of a 16-year-old who unfortunately follows her mother and has inherited an arse and boobs, babes, I got mine from my dad, (laughs) you and your podcast have been a beautiful breath of fresh air. Being a mom to a teenager is hard, but much harder in this day and age when they constantly have images forced onto them of what the norm is, as inverted commas, and what apparently the ideal body looks like. I constantly try to empower her and tell her that everyone has insecurities and even the most fabulous people have their own demons, but you and your varied guests have managed to voice it so eloquently that you've got to love what you've got and don't look at the size of the clothing, just think do I like it? She's currently facing the minefield of choosing a prom dress. Oh, mate. And in true Kiri style, she's chosen a secondhand velvet emerald green dress. Oh my God, it's all my favourite things, but sourced the most fabulous vintage shoes and accessories. <gasps> Love listening to your podcast and see you in Birmingham soon. Oh my gosh, that is such a lovely message. Thank you so much. And oh my, how wonderful that she's managed to find something. Like, because the people I'm talking to aren't kids, right? Aren't teenagers and that is the hardest 
time to exist in anyway, but especially with what images we bombard young people with now. And you're so right, what is deemed normal. I just think it's the toughest time there is to be a young person um, outside of when we used to shove them up chimneys. <laughs> I mean, that was pretty tricky as well. Um, but they didn't have to worry about lip fillers at least. But it just, no, it just sounds absolutely brutal. So I'm so glad that she's living her best life in a secondhand velvet emerald green dress oh my gosh please send pictures and I'm so oh, and say hello after the show in Birmingham as well I'm so excited to meet you if you want to send us a message you can message us on Insta at who you wearing pod we'll also chuck up pictures of um, the outfits that we talk about with our guests on there and you can email us who you wearing pod at gmail.com now every week I talk about a small business inspired by my guest because I love a small business so this week, I would, uh, I found this small business actually through another small business because that is genuinely how it works for me. Um, because also small businesses tend to be so supportive of each other. I know there's people with small businesses who've just laughed out loud listening to that. Um, but the ones that I know are good eggs and champion each other. Um, so there's an amazing shop called the Queer Emporium, which is, um, in, uh, Cardiff and it's an incredible shop and performance space that stocks exclusively LGBTQ plus makers and companies and they have performance nights there. They're also involved with all organizing i think it's called cardiff's queer fringe that's happening soon so um check them out uh absolutely amazing so if you're in south wales give them a visit but i came across um queer tm tm like as in trademark through them and i absolutely love their stuff i sent it to some of my friends as well so they do slogan apparel t-shirts hats sweatshirts and my personal fave the never humble bumbag. Now the slogans are all LGBTQ plus and are intended to raise awareness and provide representation. So they say, we want to have everyone represented onto clothing in a range where slang or imagery is used to identify as well as direct words, which some folk may feel comfortable wearing a t-shirt that says queer, but not everyone will. And we want to provide alternatives. I love that. Here's another thing they do. One of the things I love is their celebration of Polari. Um, if you don't know what Polari is, um, there'll be amazing podcasts that can talk about it more eloquently than I am, but Google it because um, I'm obsessed with it and have told some of my friends, I was like, you should be writing stand up about this. It's so amazing and people don't know about it. So they run the Polari project where they are collating a glossary of terms in order to sort of preserve and celebrate queer history, which so often gets lost. So this work is underwritten by their sale of their Polari themed clothing. I absolutely love it. So um, yeah, they've got sweatshirts and stuff with Polari terms on them that I was sent to um, someone to fantastic Stephen Bailey. I was like, you have to have this because Stephen's writing some stand-up about Polari. Um, also, as if they couldn't get any cooler, 10% of their profits go to Micro Rainbow, which is an amazing charity that runs safe houses and supports LGBTQ plus people fleeing persecution. So go and check out Queer TM and know that your dosh is going to excellent causes. Next week, I'll be back chatting to the Queen Bee of Manchester and my partner in true crime, the phenomenal Rachel Fairburn. See you then. Wearing is produced by Joe Southard, the artwork is by Mary Phillips, and the music is by Annie Glass. This has been a Little Wonder production. Mm-hmm.